what is enough VDDQ power and package power integrity analysis with a DDR4 5. And the whole premise of this talk, it's a real world story that uh, I wanted to share with a colleague. Another colleague and I actually worked on this, my, a colleague named Jim Kashevsky. He's a good friend and a great engineer. And we wanted to present the story about uh, an experience where we went through, and we've been seeing this over and over. And this is a topic that's uh, actually pretty near and dear to my heart, which is uh, vendor models aren't always right. And what do you do? Hi, everyone. It's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this bonus edition of the Ecosystem Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ben Dannett, who is the owner of Signal Edge Solutions, as well as principal engineer and technical fellow at a large mill arrow contractor. He's going to talk about a package PI analysis and how that can hurt you not only at the package level, but across the whole system. I hope you enjoyed this teaser from his talk and make sure you go into the show notes and sign up for EDICon next week. Now let's jump into our conversation with Ben Dannon. Hi, Ben. Thanks so much for joining me again. It's always great to have you on and I'm excited to learn about your EDICon presentation that you're doing next week. But why don't we start off by having you just introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, Judy. Thanks for having me back on. I always love being on your podcast. So yeah, I'm uh, I- I'm a signal integrity and power integrity um, guru, I guess you could say. I, I love playing in this area. And so uh, I get to work with folks like Steve Sandler and Heidi Barnes. I work at a, a big aerospace defense contractor and I have my own LLC that just allows me to play and work with these folks, these amazing folks and and grow and learn and just do fun things in the field of signal integrity and power integrity. That's a, that's a good enough high level, right? That's That's you in a nutshell. Yeah. We we don't have enough time to talk about all the projects you're into, but, and you're an, an, an ex-military guy too from the reserve. So why don't you give them a quick story about that? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I was a combat system officer. So if, for those Top Gun fans out there, if you like Maverick, I'm Goose. So I'm the backseater. I was the guy telling the pilots, turn left, turn right. And pilots just looked at me and said, nav. Sometimes we're just called nav. Uh, I just want to know this. Trees get bigger. So stick goes down. Trees get bigger. Stick goes up. <laughs> <laughs> just the facts. Just the important stuff. Well, Let's talk about, in regards to this power integrity um, expertise you've developed over the past several years, what are you going to be presenting at EDICon? Because I don't even want to try to say the title of your talk. It's too long for me. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's on October 4th, and uh, I think it's at 1.30 p.m. The title is, What is Enough? VDDQ power and Package Power Integrity Analysis with a DDR4-5. And the whole premise of this talk, it's a real world story that uh, I wanted to share with a colleague. Another colleague and I actually worked on this, my, a colleague named Jim Kashevsky. He's a good friend and a great engineer. And we wanted to present the story about uh, an experience where we went through, and we've been seeing this over and over. And this is a topic that's uh, actually pretty near and dear to my heart, which is uh, vendor models aren't always right. And what do you do? And it, it's already a big challenge today if you're trying to do an end-to-end power integrity analysis, and let alone with uh, a full um, DDR power integrity analysis where you have multiple DRAM, you have your ASIC 
with has the, which has the DDR4-5, you have your package, your board effects, and your VRM model, and let alone these margins for the voltages are getting smaller and smaller. And so one more thing you have to worry about is just making sure your models are right. And so if your model is right, what do you do? Or is it right? Excuse me. If your model isn't right, what do you do? And so what if it's a die model? And so that's the whole premise of the story that we're going to share. It's going to be a lot of fun and really looking forward to it. So first of all, so it was this project that made you sort of want to share this experience and this learning for people who are attending EDICon, which by the way, if you haven't heard me say before, it's online and um, you can register and you can watch it live and get continuing ed credits or you can watch the recording later. So um, what should engineers who join your session expect to learn and why did you want to learn it? Well, I love power integrity first and foremost. So this is my wheelhouse. And uh, I think one of the things that we want folks to walk away with is that they need to trust and verify the models are going to Whether it's a capacitor or a die model, it doesn't matter. If you look at the IBIS forum, right, the IBIS standard, they actually have a quality report. And most folks may or may not know that. It's not, it wasn't well known to me years ago, and it's been out for a while. And they actually are teaching folks to say, hey, if you're getting an IBIS model from a third-party vendor, ask for the quality report. And so if you're getting a die model, why shouldn't you get some sort of quality report to hold these vendors accountable? I mean, these are just as complex, if not more so, than any sort of IBIS model. And that's part of the gap in the industry. I mean, you go and pull a capacitor model from Murata or AVX, there's no standard on how they made that measurement. And that's yeah. part of the problem, right? So being right matters, which is what one of uh, a good friend of mine and a mentor says, Steve Sandler, and a friend of yours as well. And to be honest, um, having good models is where it starts. Yeah, which, yeah, I had hiding Steve on not long ago, and we definitely hammered on that pretty good. And, of course, I smiled right away just then because I recognized your quotes from Steve. He's, he's drilled them into my brain, too. So what kind of, without giving away your secret sauce or what you're going to show, like, yeah, so what do you do? How do you know if you have a good model? Like, what are some solutions you're going to offer and some things you have found that work for you? Great question. And so some of the techniques we're going to show aren't, I wouldn't say there aren't, I would, I would not say that they, they are new. You can find these in some great books by some other evangelists like Eric Bogatin and Larry Smith. In fact, um, we're actually referencing one of their books as part of this okay. effort because it's right out of their book, but these things are easily forgotten and maybe you didn't think you could apply it in this manner. And so that's what we're showing in this talk. So in fact, um, we initially got the die model from a third-party vendor. And in most cases, people aren't going to design their own DDR4-5, right? They're going to integrate a, a 5 from somebody else because they have their own IP on the ASIC to worry about. But they have some requirement right. to have some sort of memory. And so they're going to integrate this DDR4-5 from a Cadence or Synopsis or somebody else. There's only a few vendors out there you can buy these from. Mm -hmm. And so in this instance, you know, you have all this data coming in and um, you it's hard to vet it until you need to use it. And what we show is initially the die model that we got from this vendor 
was not the right value, specifically the on-die capacitance or C-die. And we walked through the exercise, even after I approached the vendor many times, I said, hey, so you guys know that that C-die is way too low. They're like, no, no, that's right. I'm like, are you sure that's the right value? Because there are other die models for other memory controllers and it's way higher, like orders of magnitude higher. They're like, no, no, that's that's right. I'm like, okay, so can you like maybe do like a manual calculation to show me uh, what that C-die should be? And it, it's really not that hard to do this because all you have to do is, you know, look at the area of the caps that are on the grid and you know what your DK is because that's in the tech file. And you can calculate the on-die capacitance because epsilon a uh, epsilon times A over D equals the capacitance and multiply that by the total capacitors on the grid. That should give you an approximate. And they're like, no, no, that's right. I said, okay, so they're going to really make me dive into this improvement tool. And so that's <laughs> part of the story that we're going to share on October 4th and walk everybody through this process of how we went from A to B um, all the way to calculating with the minimum on-die capacitance needs to be using a technique right from Eric Bogatin and Larry Smith's book, to be honest. So it's it's not rocket science, but there's so much out there that the goal is to show folks a practical approach right. and a way to, to use these methods while showing them how to do complex modeling of this nature. Well, you know, Eric will be the first to tell you is, is wise and guru e that he is is every book he writes is the practical guide to right so i'm sure he would love that you were uh citing that and making it practical and also i should mention to the audience that your talk's only like 25 minutes right so it's pretty easy to to digest awesome and then i think it'd be really um i like the way you're kind of serving up as a real life case study that you guys went through and will be so relatable. It's almost like a technology story, right? But you're, seems really relatable than a bunch of yeah. theory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was wrong from the get-go. Just going about proving it, right? We're all working for big companies and some bigger than others. And a big company like one of these, you know, where they're in the billion, it's hard to break down those barriers. And so yeah, if you're a smaller entity and you've bought some IP, how do you go about proving it. And that's the whole approach here that we're trying to show folks. So hopefully that's the takeaway. And they also walk away with, they need to hold their vendors accountable. Ask for some sort of quality report, right? Mm -hmm. Verification. Don't just take a model and willy-nilly mm -hmm. just throw it in your simulation. Yeah. So what I want to know is, did you go back to that vendor and say, no, it's not. Oh, and I so can prove we, it? Yeah. So we proved it. And you know what they did? They came back and said, oh, yeah. That, that's the wrong value we gave you after we picked at it and we had schedule slip in our program. And hmm. so at that point, we're like, okay, so what's the right value? So they gave us a new die model and we had calculated that the die model on die capacitance needs to be around 6.2 nanofarads. It was initially 3.29 nanofarads, so almost half what mm -hmm. uh, we calculated the minimum needed to be. And they came back and said, yeah, the actual value is like 6.49. So really close to what our calculated minimum was, like mm. really close. So we dropped that into our model and we were failing uh, their spec miserably, right? There's an AC voltage ripple spec 
that we were assessing at the at the dive bumps on our package, and mm-hmm. we were failing it by over two x their their limit uh, with the initial dive model of three point two nine nanofarads. As soon as we dropped it in um, the new dive model, we were passing um, just barely, but we were passing. So it just shows you that what we calculated and what they gave us that these methods are very practical and applicable to uh, any sort of application like this. Well, you know, I was listening to an executive do a talk recently and, and she was an executive like at flex or something like big wig. And she was talking about some challenges they went through with COVID and having a global team and all that. But the one thing I took away that I thought she goes, well, let's not just sit around and admire the problem, you know? And I'm like, guy, don't we do that though? Like, yeah, it's those darn models. Right. But I really love that you guys, you know, sadly, you know, your schedule slipped, but that you actually took the time to do it. And bring it back and, like you said, hold the vendors accountable. And you actually didn't admire the problem or just fix it and go on. You, I think you, there was probably a good learning in it for you and the vendor. So, yeah. very cool. Yeah, Love and, it. and there's some sanity check that we're going to show folks on how to do some basic sanity checking, right? That's part of this. I mean, we even showed a comparison to a Micron SDRAM, a by 16 SDRAM. And we showed, by the way, this is a great example. Every Micron... SDRAM, they provide a quality report as part of their IBIS model and, mm. and for their die model. And so this is what makes, you know, the documentation from Micron so great. So why shouldn't you have the same level from any other vendor? And so we looked at the die model on die capacity. And it's right there. It's more than double the initial value that we got from our IP, our, our IP vendor. Mm. And we showed that to this IP vendor and they're like, yeah, no, it's still right. And so just showing folks how to go through this method and apply this to get the right answer. I think that's probably the fulfilling part um, to teach and help folks understand um, what to do if you're not getting the right answer from your vendor and how to prove it. Because it, these aren't easy to model, right? I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of complexity in a model like this. You have 72 DQ nets, your strobe, your CAC, all running to toggle all those simultaneous switching nets create that noise to get that overall response and so it takes takes a lot of work to prove this to a vendor like um like one of these big guys well it's it's great that you did it and i'm sure there'll be some really good takeaways so ben thanks so much for coming on and teasing up your class and um i'll definitely be there and i'll call you later if i have questions (laughs) because i probably will um but it sounds really great. Well, thanks again for coming on. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Judy, for having me. Always a pleasure. So for our, our listeners and our audience, make sure you go. I'll put the links to EDICon that you can go register there. It's free, and you can watch it online and get your continuing ed credits or watch it, you know, just register, and, and they'll send you the recording later. But make sure you choose Bent Session. Thanks for being with us, Ben. We'll see you next time. And for our audience, we'll see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem. 